0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 257 of 15 with Andy. No, no, no. 15 with Randy and Chad. This is a special edition of the podcast, and this is, I've said this every chance I've had over the past week. I said it on last week's podcast. This is my favorite time of the year. It is my favorite message series of the year. And today I'm blessed to be here with one of my favorite people at Whole Life Church who delivered our message this past week called The Winding Path in our new series about transitions and how to navigate those. It's Chad Hess. Welcome, Chad. Thank you for taking the time to join me. Hello. Thank you. So many of you will remember Chad, and he alluded to it early in his message this past week that, you know, maybe you weren't used to seeing Chad from the front. And I actually had someone come up afterwards and said, I had no idea that Chad had all this experience in, you know, theology and pastoral care and all these different things. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't know that about Chad. I'm like, I did. I knew that about (laughs) Chad. I did. But. If you missed the message, I'm going to encourage you to swipe up in today's show notes and you will find a link to our sister podcast from Whole Life Church called Speaking of Grace, and you will be able to hear the message that Chad spoke this past week. Definitely don't miss it because... Over the years, we've seen lots of people deliver messages, and I don't know that we've had anyone in, since I've been at Whole Life Church that's delivered a more passionate and heartfelt message than what Chad did this past week. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and as I told you last week, I was the host of The Loop, and we do have questions for you today. I'm hoping that if you submitted your question and it didn't get answered, that you are here today to hear the response to those questions. So we're going to try to jam a whole bunch of stuff in a short amount of time as we can and get those questions answered as well. So let's just jump right into it. Chad, you said something early on that I immediately resonated with, and I think most people listening to that message, now or in the future, will have the same experience or maybe something similar. You said, God's calling for me has never been that concrete. Rather, it was like a nudging in that direction. But the end was always blurred. <laughs> and I feel like we've been answering, maybe all of us, since kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like since our, I mean, like our whole lives have been answering this question, maybe not always seriously. Like, oh, I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be a doctor. You know, whatever. Kids will say whatever they think maybe they're supposed to say or maybe something that they want. And when we look back at, like, what did you want to be, the path behind is hilly. It's curvy. It's rocky. The bridge is out. Anything else you can think of except flat and straight? For, yes. you, for you, has the blurry of that ever really gone away? Have you had moments of, of clarity on it?
1: As far as the distance goes, no. I, I would say even <laughs> now, if, you know, what, what, where do I see myself in 510 years? I don't know. It's still blurry. <laughs> where I am now is clear, but the future is still blurry. You know, I still don't know where the future may bring me, you know. But, no, so, yeah, I would say, no, it's still the same of that end is still blurred.
0: Has the blurry ever bothered you?
1: Well, sure, because I like planning and predictability, so, (laughs) uh, you know. At a certain point, you just love to accept the things you can't change.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. No, because I, I feel like... In much of the same way, so many detours, when you look back on your life and you go, okay, this is what I'm doing today. Now that's clear, right? I mean, I kind of know what I'm doing today, not five yeah. years from now, and probably not five months from now, for sure. <laughs> but you see that it's a little more clear and you go, man, that stop, that detour, that wrong turn, that, you know, that whatever fork in the road brought me the experience or the knowledge or the friends or the connections or whatever that now has made this like what I do this is who I am <laughs> and you mentioned that you know if we just went to the end we'd miss all those things and one thing that I thought I liked you you said I, as I wrestled with that decision I had to release myself from this idea that I needed to pick one career and do that for the next 30 years of my life and you know that there's so many things now that you know, like when we grew up, that was the thing, whatever you were, it seemed like people would spend, you know, 25, 30, 40, 50 years in a career. And now it's like that can happen multiple times in, in a in, you know, in a year or a few years. When you said this, I was looking around. I didn't have anything to write with, but you said, but here's another thing I've learned. No education, no work experience or life experience is wasted. Whoa. Tell me how that's affected you, or like that realization. How has that helped you in who Chad is today?
1: So I'm, I've always kind of thought that there's benefit to be gained in any experience. You know, as simple as it may be, any job, there are valuable skills that you can learn there. Even just the skill of hard work. Mm, you know, yeah. regardless of what the job is that you're actually doing the strong work ethic that you develop in it goes a long way towards the rest of your life, you know? And so um, that's something I guess, I just kind of was instilled in me early on. And I've, and, and I've seen that in different jobs where I've had managers that just really loved my work ethic. And, you know, even if they're just simple, you know, basic in-school jobs kind of thing, Sure, you know, and so even, that aspect of it, you can run with. But then, when it comes into more like some of the examples I've listed there of taking that counseling mindset from family systems, mm, yeah, and looking at it in AV, and it's it, it's kind of interesting because that. So, for those that may not know, and I didn't get into any details on this on the sermon, but within family counseling, there's the, the philosophy of family systems theory, which looks at how each member of the family is interacting with and impacting the whole. So, you know, a family may come in and say, hey, Johnny's having a problem with this. Okay, so Johnny's doing this, but why is Johnny doing this? Why is that behavior working in this system? You know, you can't look at that behavior in, in, in isolation. You have to look at everything all together. And that's kind of the crux of what family systems theory does. And I've taken and i really kind of connected with that in um, my constant classes. But I took that with me in AV. And in AV, you have audio and you have video and you have lighting and you have increasingly have networking and you know <laughs> computers and everything. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of AV techs are really good at one, maybe two, maybe some of them. but They tend to look at, you know, I know my area, I know sound, I know that really, really well. I know that it needs to be in the video, but don't ask me to troubleshoot the video. You know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you don't get that holistic perspective as much in AV. And so, I think that's one of the things that has made me such a great tech is that I have taken that mindset and I look at all of the different pieces and how are they all interacting with each other. And you see that especially as things get more on the network that now everything truly is interacting with each other. And it can lead to a lot of problems that are not as easily solved if you're not looking at the big picture. And so that's been a probably the biggest example where I've seen how skills can transfer in areas that seemingly are completely unrelated,
0: you know? Sure. Um, How have you applied that same type of attitude in the pieces and parts of your journey that took you from, like you said, this person who was, you know, graduating with a theology degree, you were in a bad marriage, no kids, and now you've got kids and uh, uh, remarried happily and this You know, career that you really feel like you're exceptional at. How do you apply those same types of principles when you're in the thick of things? (laughs) <laughs> trying to figure out. Because for a lot of us in our walk with Jesus, we're looking at bits and pieces that just don't seem to fit. Like, How would these interact with this? Why would this be something God is asking me to do or a route he's taking me down, which I don't understand? I don't want it. I don't feel like there's any benefit to it. How do, Have you taken what you're talking about and made it into something that you can apply to your spiritual life?
1: So one of the things I've tried to do is to ask, what can I learn in this in this experience? Mm, you know, what yeah. is there that I need to learn in this experience that can make me better and that can help me down the road? I mentioned a little bit in our Q&A about my divorce um, and, you know, kind of briefly just mentioned it in my sermon. But And again, I'm not going to go into all the ugly details there, but... Within that process, I um, I had a brother that had also been through a divorce, and he had said something to me that really kind of was enlightening in this regard. And he had said, I, divorce is something I would not wish on my worst enemy, but I wouldn't trade it for the world, because it has taught me so much, and I've learned so much from it. And... As I was going through the same experience, I kind of wrestled with that same question and kind of ultimately came to the same place. Terrible, horrible process. I would not recommend it to anyone, you know. Yeah. It's not anything you would wish for. Yeah, absolutely. But the things I learned from it about myself um, have totally changed me. and And you have to be willing to put in that work, you know. And, and we'll stick with force is a great example. It's so easy to just, you know, throw all the blame on the other person. Everyone likes like, think the other person was 100% <laughs> at fault. And that's never true. No,
0: Any but it feels good to, to say it person, though. Sometimes. You always
1: played some role. Yeah. It may be 50-50, it may be 90-10. That's not for me to decide, but you played a role and you have to be willing to look at it and do the hard work of saying, what did I contribute? What did I do that has led to this? and let me learn from that so I don't repeat this again.
0: Yeah. That's great.
1: And that has and I've tried to do that in any situation, you know, what can I learn from this to make to make it better and so that I don't repeat the same mistake again.
0: So basically what you're saying is you're taking the good, the bad and the ugly whatever comes in your life and you're saying I have to use this to make Chad a better person this And I have to trust that God is using it somehow to make our relationship better he's using it mm-hmm. to make me better he's preparing me for something so whether i mean the easy is usually well it's easy and the good yeah. is usually the good easy
1: is more enjoyable but the bad <laughs> and the ugly is real <laughs> the so, bad, yeah you
0: the, <laughs> the bad and the ugly are the trenches that we try to ignore but that's that's really awesome and I, and i would say that your life just the trajectory and this path that you laid out for us has proven that to be true because the next part that i want to get into before we get to the questions from the loop is i just want you to like tell us how this got you and and susan to this place where when people talk about foster care and they'll say you know oh i don't i i don't think that's for, for me or Ah, foster care. It just, ugh, it just, it sounds like a, like a dirty word, or it's just like, oh, you know, almost like old narratives about foster care, foster kids, how it used to be looked on, it, and maybe some still do. But I say, man, I I know people that foster, and I think if I think of you and Susan first. Because there's always a smile on you on both of your faces. And I'm sure in the background there is the good, the bad and the ugly. I'm not gonna try to, you know, put yes. frosting on all of it. But when we see you out with the kids in situations and even even during discipline times or times when things aren't going as maybe as well as you would hope or as planned you guys are always have a smile on your face and there's never a doubt, at least from, from what I can see that like these kids are loved when they're at Chad and Susan's house for however long that is. And so I I just want you to take us through this, a little journey of, of, you know, how you guys got into, to foster care And maybe just a little of, you know, what's on your heart for others to know that might be considering it or like the C-127 program that's going to be starting up here at at Whole Life coming up here in May and, you know, bringing respite to foster families. Like there's a real need for people to be involved. So I just want to give you that opportunity to kind of uh, pull that out for us and and show us, you know, what the good parts and what the need are.
1: (laughs) Sure. So we got, we really started talking about foster care. I mean, we were aware of it before, sure. um, but we really kind of started talking about it and thinking about it more. Well, I guess it would have been five years ago when we did a uh, um, series, uh emphasis during May for foster care awareness month, <laughs> and you know, did interviews with uh, Rhonda and Russell Cross. That oh were yeah. Foster parents. That's right. And, That's right. Um, and of course, I was helping to film those because I was on staff there at the time. But yep, so, but yep. as we talked about it more in church and the need for it and what it's all about, that kind of got Susan and I talking about it more, and thought, you know what, this is something that we could do. Um, Susan is one of those people that is just a naturally gifted parent. There are some people that are just, you know, they they just kind of have have that gift yeah and and she is one of them and so you know being able to leverage that and utilize that for more kids even if we didn't want them to ultimately become a part of our family forever we can they can be a part of our family for now and we can do our part to help this immense need that's out there and so yeah i mean the more we talk about it, and I've seen this over the past five years, every year when we talk about it. There's another one or two families that step up and say, "Yeah, you know, I think this is something we can do." And so you know the more we the more people that get involved, the more we can take care of the need that's out there and help the foster parents that are there. because, yeah, as you're mentioning, it's not just being foster parents, there are other ways of supporting foster parents you know um we have done different events the church has done like foster parent night out and stuff where we will get um they will you bring all your kids to the church and they have different programs and activities and stuff that they can do and then we go out and have a you know some dinner and maybe a little bit of time to do something and that's that's great i mean those little breaks are wonderful and especially when you have a lot of kids. So like, yeah, I got five kids. So it's not easy to find a babysitter for five kids. No, you know? no.
0: Well, and it's not cost-effective. <laughs> yeah. It's not, even, if you, even if you can, it's not cost-effective to do so. Yeah. And, you know, so a lot of people
1: might be saying, you know, yeah, I can, I could help with, you know, watching some kids for foster care. Okay, if I have five Okay, five might be a little much, you know, two infants, okay, that might be a little more than I'm prepared for, you know, and I completely get that. I would be just as reticent to leave them with you because I know you're not comfortable with that. But you pull them all together in the church for a program when you have multiple volunteers, now this is a far more manageable thing, you know. You're not asking one person to watch five kids, yeah. You're asking one person to be a part of a crew that's watching a bunch of kids. And it's a lot easier and still gives us the break that we need.
0: Absolutely. And and we used to do a program, my wife and I, at Forest Lake Church called Buddy Break, which is a respite care program for parents with kids with special needs. And you can find kids from every, every need out there from, you know – People, the kids that have autism and Down syndrome and kids that have disorders where their bones are fragile and they break very easily and kids that have skin disorders that are allergic to everything and you know there's there 's all these different things and they just don 't have you don 't have anyone qualified to babysit them because of all these needs right mm-hmm. and it's, so it 's kind of like the same thing when when parents would come and they would drop their kids off you know they 'd wait in the, the, at first they 'd wait in the parking lot and go. Well, I'm not sure if I want to leave my kids here for you know three hours, and then they'd like. Well, maybe I'll make one run. I'll I'll, I'll make one run, and we would never let them come inside. It's like no, no, no. This is free. You don't. Please don't sit in your car. Go do something. You know. And it's almost like you get entrenched into. I've got to do this. But then when uh, you find this little area of respite. And then you realize it's okay to let go a little bit and and take a break for yourself. And it was like the the look on their face when they would come back. And then their kids were happy. They'd been having games and fun and food or you know whatever. And it was just like, wow, this is amazing. And so I can see how that would definitely be just getting a little break here and there would just be a huge thing, especially if, you know, like you're saying, five kids. I mean... We've got two in our house, and I'm like five. Oh my, five! I don't know, Chad. That that's a lot.
1: Well, and you know, I mean, parenting is one of those things you grow into. You know, um, <laughs> definitely. There's a reason that in the normal order you start with one, and you get them as a baby, and you're learning as they're growing. You know, yeah. <laughs> to go from zero to five is is tough. And and we didn't. You know, we had our two. And then we added a third. And then eventually we added a fourth. And the fifth, you know, yeah, sure. we've grown up on it as well. We couldn't have just
0: started there. right in at five, yeah. you know. So. All right. Well, look, well, let's start getting into the questions that we have from the loop. And today, if again, if the announcement, if you weren't in church, there's a, a uh, organization we're partnering with called C127. They're going to be providing some respite care in four different forms, if you can make a phone call and check up on someone once a month, if you can make a meal once a month, provide some babysitting along with another group, all the details will be answered in the training, and it's only an hour, from what I was told. So there is some information in our on our website and our Justice Ministries page. The link will be in the show notes today, so do go check that out because I think it's a, a an easy way for us who maybe can't, shouldn't, or just won't foster for maybe a ton of great reasons, but it's a way we can support those who do have the talent like Chad and Susan, who are taking on these kids. And I I was in tears when you were telling the story about the two girls that got to go home with their mom. And it's like, wow, if there's ever something that makes you think, you know, I wish I could do it. Or But if I can't, here's a way that maybe I can help. So stories like that continue to happen with positive and really heartfelt outcomes. So (laughs) swipe up in today's show notes and you will be able to find that information. All right. We did have a couple of questions from the loop. One was, I thought it was a, a, a really good question because we get stuck in these little oases where we're sitting and maybe we're a little, you know, we're a little comfortable and then something becomes more challenging and we, try to figure out what we're supposed to do. They said, how do you know when it's time to transition to something new instead of sticking it out in a, a challenging situation and, you know, that you're finding yourself in your current situation and your, your current circumstances, how do you know when it's time to move on? That
1: can be a tough one. Um, <laughs> and I, I I've honestly wrestled with the same question when I was getting ready to leave the church. Um, You know, how do I know when it's time to move on to something else? And I mean, prayer, of course, is a part of that. And seeing what you're hearing, quote unquote, you know, feeling from God um, and seeing what doors open. So another true story here. When When I was thinking, okay, I think I might be time to look for something else. Um, when I was at the church, getting kind of burned out there. And I talked with my friend, Harry Armstrong, who works at the hospital. And my conversation was literally, if you hear of something, (laughs) I might possibly be interested.
0: Could have maybe should (laughs)
1: have.
0: It was that hesitant, because I knew it would
1: have to be kind of the right thing. And he said, well, actually, my boss is uh, also over the AB team, and I think they are hiring. Let me, you know, do you mind if I give him your information? okay, sure. And, you know, so I talked with him, and he was telling me about the role that they have. And, oh, man, if that isn't a lot of the stuff that I'd really like to do, you know, project management kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Okay, this actually sounds like a pretty great role for what i like to do and so you know but, but it all started that hesitantly you know if this is where you want it to go open that door yeah, yeah. and in hindsight i now know that that door wasn't open a few months before you know sure it, you know if that timing wasn't right it wouldn't have fallen into place like that yeah you know so that's where you you know got to be willing to follow where God does lead and just kind of listen for Him to give you that push.
0: Yeah. Because you just answered the next question, which was, when God calls you to make a change, are they all immediate changes or can they take place over time? And the fact that you were a little burned out, which we all know can happen in any job, and especially church work sometimes, because you have that added pressure of, you know, I'm working – I mean, I'm really working for God now. I mean, not only just in who I am, but, you know, actually working for God at the church. And and so really, like you said, that door wasn't open long before that, and yet – you know, you almost have to look at that feeling and saying, that's God nudging you that way. And then, well, yeah, even though, man, I work with great people, I love my job, I love what I do, and I, oh, change, You know, we're all hesitant about change usually. And then, yeah, so they, they definitely can take place over time, because as you, like you said, as you pray for those doors to open.
1: I had been wrestling with that question for a year.
0: Wow. Yeah. Of when
1: it was time to leave. Uh, about a year before then, I had been at a conference for church creatives and was again feeling real burnt out and talked with people there, had some good time with God and got a little bit of rejuvenation and just felt not yet. Yeah. That wasn't the time I was feeling it, but that wasn't quite the time. So yes, that was a year worth of transition really before I, to get to that point that I was ready to
0: make that change. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, and you know, and it's hard to be patient. I, I mean, I get that too. It, it's hard, but like the, the payoff is so worth it. And I loved, yeah. I loved how that just coincided with your story. Just, you know, like here's a year here's a, yeah, maybe then, ooh, well, how about, you know, and it just all starts to fall in place. And then people on the outside though, can sometimes look at that and go, man, I wish those were there for me. And, Either and and I've been in that place where I I'm like am I am I missing something? My my prayers are so obvious. God, just you know, put, if I'm missing something, put it on a two by four and just smack me upside the head with it, so I can't possibly miss it. Because you know, I'm, I'm done. Like dinner here. I want to move on. I, I something has to change. And then. After you get there, it becomes really evident as to why it was taking so long. So uh, Mm -hmm. that's a good one to remember. Our next one was from Naomi and more of a comment. She said, looking back, I can see that God had never left my side and faithfully walked with me until he nudged me back onto the road he had in mind all along. Did you have any of those in your in your path where you tried something and God had to kind of nudge you back into the, uh, into the path he needed into the path he needed you back on?
1: Oh, I'm sure I have.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think, I think we all have, I didn't know if there was anything specific that jumped out, but I, I, I know there's been a ton of times where just like I was saying, you know, I'm, I tried to force a few things that were probably, I would have, I know I would have enjoyed doing, and and a different path in my life and it just kept coming back and finally you just kind of have to give up and go this is for whatever reason this is not going to happen and uh let god nudge me our final question was from nancy she said what are the qualifications for fostering and as a sidebar she said you guys must have a lot of patience
1: <laughs> My kids may disagree with you on the last part. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: uh, <laughs> oh, man.
1: <laughs> uh, as, as far as foster parents, and so there is training that they do. Um, Embrace Families is the organization that runs foster care for Orange Seminole and Osceola. So
0: Embrace, Embrace families? families?
1: Yes, embracefamilies.org, I believe, is their website.
0: I'll double check that. Do,
1: um, Training classes, uh, I think it was about eight weeks or something like that, okay. um, eight or nine weeks. And then there's, of course, home study. There's lots of paperwork, yeah. lots of questions with lots of people because, you know, we've all heard the horror sure. stories of foster parents that were not great. And, you know, and so they, they really try to weed out that stuff as well into, as make yeah, sure you oh, yeah. understand what you're getting into, you know. Um, you know, in many ways, these are kids just like every other kid, they're normal kids, but they've also been through trauma and that can change things that can change how they react to things, how they respond to things. And there's, you know, there's a lot of aspects to understanding, um, childhood trauma that uh, honestly, the research is really discovering more it's it's a you know emerging field right now Um, but so there's a lot to be learned there as well that is part of those classes so i mean what are the qualifications you have to be willing to give your heart you have to be willing to love them and you know people always say oh i couldn't do that i get too attached well yes you should That's exactly what they need.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, if you understand anything of child psychology and secure attachment, they need attachment. That is what they need. Well, but doesn't it hurt when they go home? Well, of course it does because you're attached to them because you love (laughs) them. Of course. But honestly, I, I like to kind of flip that because any relationship that involves love will at some point also involve pain. The two will always go together.
0: (laughs) They collide always.
1: Always. You know, they're always, it may be a bit of time, but you always know that at some point there is going to be a pain. There's going to be loss that comes with that. You know, that person dies, you break up, whatever. Sure. It's inevitable there. But we never question the need to, get into those relationships. Well, at least most people don't. Some people have been through enough and they do. <laughs> but, yeah, <well. laughs> you know, for the most part, we, we understand we want that love. We need that love. Absolutely and it's worth it. Is it going to hurt? Sure. Is it worth it? Absolutely. And so you have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to you know, have people up in your business, walking through your home, checking things out, you know, (laughs) you have to be willing to take things, you know, to be flexible on stuff, you know, schedules change, plans change. And, you know, earlier in my life, that probably would have been much harder for me. I've gotten more used to that just kind of, taking things as they come and one day at a time. Yeah. And, and and you kind of really need that because there's so much unpredictability with it. Excellent. But not especially, not especially high qualifications. I mean, most parents could handle that.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it, like you said, you do have to know what you're getting into and the, probably yes. going through that part, just being sure that everybody's on the same page. And But I can see where the pay... I don't want to say payoff, that sounds chintzy, but but really the love that you're going to get on the other side of providing that care and knowing that you're really, truly, I mean, in, in every aspect, in your heart, in your soul, and in your physicality, you are being the hands and feet of Jesus for people. And mm-hmm. in a very real and a very really needed way, that's hard to say no to in a way because it just feels so right. I mean, I've never, even though I think a lot of us that probably know we can't, or we, it's not for us, there's still a draw to it because of what you just described about that love. And you see people suffering and you want to, you don't want them to suffer. You want to, you want to be Jesus to them and, and help. And so I can see why that would be so, so just so rewarding. So, all right. I'm gonna. I will embracefamilies.org. I'm sure it's right. I'll double check it, but that will also be in the show notes today, just for ease of use. So swipe up, and you can check that out if you're looking for more. So that's going to bring us to this week's whole life takeaways. It asked if God was trying to nudge you in a particular direction right now. How would you know it was God nudging you? And there's only one way I've ever found that that works for me, and that is a whole bunch of prayer and then really leaning into people that I trust to speak God into my life. Now there are people that I trust, but then there are people that I trust to speak God into my life. And though that's that's not a they're not they're not the same people. Yeah. They can be different. And there's not a lot of those that actually speak God into my life. There's a lot of people I love dearly that don't. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think God puts people at different times at different places. And often I have found people that have been very unexpected speaking into my life at different times. And so, I'd like to know what you think. I mean, how does this work for you? What if God was nudging, you know, you right now in a particular direction? How would you know it was him? Let us know by voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or as always podcast at wholelife.church for email, and I would love to read your comments on the podcast next week. Or if you leave me a voicemail, we'll just go ahead and play it so everyone can hear your voice. All right. Our final thoughts are from the closing to Chad's message this past week. He said, if you follow God's leading, your life will not turn out the way you think, but he will always be with you. It will contain lower lows than you imagined, but also greater highs. It will be filled with times of immense pain, blinding confusion and despair, and no idea what to do at times. But through it all, God is weaving you into the person he wants you to be. And it's a beautiful thing. And that is really when you think about it, but through it all, God is weaving you. Into the person he wants you to be, that is pretty awesome. So thank you, Chad, again, for being a part of, you know, we we put you through the ringer in the loop. We make you ask, answer questions, and then you got to preach twice. It's a big deal to preach at Whole Life Church. I'm telling you, it's not just, it's not for the faint of heart. And uh, Chad knocked it out of the park. And this week upcoming, we are going to continue on with our series, Transitions, Navigating Change. And this week's message will be finding peace in who I am becoming. And our speakers are David and Jordan Vargas. So it'll be exciting. Hopefully we'll be able to connect with them next week as well here on the podcast. So thank you to those of you who submitted questions at the loop that we couldn't get to on Saturday, but got to today. And so that's going to wrap this up. Check out Speaking of Grace. It'll be coming out on Tuesday evening. So it's already in your feed if you're listening on Wednesday. And we'll be back next Wednesday, hopefully with David and Jordan Vargas. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.